Good morning, good afternoon, good evening to each and every one of you. Wherever you are listening in this world, welcome to another session of Sunday Morning with me, C. Maria, a.k.a. the Mediate and Shiro, right here at our Ground Zero. And as always, I want to remind you that being at Ground Zero does not mean that you're at rock bottom. It simply means that you are on solid ground. So get ready to dig in and let's get things going. Welcome, welcome, welcome to those of you in the call query, those of you joining me here in our show chat room. Welcome, those of you listening to me through the various players throughout the Internet. Before we get started, as always, I want to give you a quick rundown of how the show flows. I will do this, of course, our greetings and salutations and some brief announcements. Then we'll go into our stress relief and release segment. For that, I ask that you are in a seated or lying position because we'll have our eyes closed for our breathing exercise, and I don't want anyone to lose their balance and get hurt in any way. Welcome to our guest. I see many of you jumping in and out of our call, of our show chat room, and our call query. For the guest, if you are logged on as a guest and you'd like to partake in our conversation, give us a call at 646-478-4726. That's 646-478-4726. Join us live on air this Easter Sunday morning for our session. Okay, so I don't think the sound came out too well, but I have my new singing bowl. It's beautiful on my end. I don't know what it sounds like yet. I'll have to listen to the replay, but I love my new singing bowl. I have been waiting to get one of these so long and now that I have it I have been trying to work with it and start my meditations and mantras and all of that so I love my new singing bowl but for those of you who are used to the chimes here they go again um we're going to get started soon. I see a lot of you are still jumping on in and out. Again, if you're logged in as a guest in our show chat room and you want to take part in our conversation, give us a call at 646-478-4726. That's 646-478-4726. Or you can log in in our show chat room under a regular screen name, and I will read your questions and comments on air from there, but you have to be logged in under a regular screen name in order for uh, me to see what you have to say. 
So again, as I said, we start off our show with our salutations and greetings and some brief uh, um, statistics, analytics, and then we'll jump right into our stress relief and release program, giving everyone a chance to get themselves together here. So for once, we have some changes now uh, for our listenership for last week. Uh, the the areas with our highest listenership countries and such it's the United States of America, the United Arab Emirates, the United Kingdom, Canada, and Kuwait. So welcome, Kuwait. Welcome, welcome, welcome to our listening family. You come here as a listener, but you leave as family. They come as guests and they leave as family. So many of my prior guests. I am still friends with to this day. Uh, I love doing this program for that very reason. And here in the United States, our top uh, states for listenership last week were New York, Virginia, Maryland, Illinois, Colorado, Ohio, Georgia, and Oregon. Hello, Georgia. That's where my family is. That's where my babies are. Georgia, my two grandsons in Georgia, I'm waiting for um, North Carolina to show up. That's where my other grandchildren are, my two girls. So I, um, I want you all to know that I am so appreciative of you taking the time out to spend with uh, me here on our program So we're about to jump into our stress relief and relief section, or segment rather. We need your eyes closed, lying or seated positions only, lying or seated positions only. Let's get started. Let's inhale. This is when we cleanse our lungs, our spirit, our souls, exhale, of everything that has held us back. It's been an interesting week um, for me last week. A lot of things going on that make no sense to me, but I know that the universe and the great I am understands why I'm going through what I'm going through. And I know that for many of you, you're going through great storms right now. You're going through storms and you don't know what to do or where to go. I'm here to tell you right here, right now, that you are so not alone. And so many people tend to look at the people who are here like myself. We're the people who you hear our voices week after week, and you think that we have such perfect lives. Well, I'm here to tell you that I know personally, for me, that is not so. I started these programs because of the storms that I was experiencing and the darkness that I was lost in. So I need you to understand something, that I'm not doing this lightly. I'm not doing this just because of for the accolades or for people to give me praise and all of that. There's so many people out here who are doing things for all the wrong reasons. They're doing nice things and good things, but the underlying reason is to pump up their own she-goes and egos. And I see that, and many see that. And when you're hurting and you're going through something, the last thing you want to see is another charlatan in your face using you, 
to propel themselves to new heights. There are a lot of people who I know who are doing this nowadays, and they're very successful at it. And there's a reason why I don't promote any and every one. There's a reason why I walk on by certain people and they never see me in any of their functions or events. Let me tell you something. I know that when I'm hurting, the last thing that I need is for some charlatan to try to sell me a bill of goods and take more from me than I have to give. Hello, hello, Miss Pretty is in the chat room. And Sibelius Smog, is that your name? Um, if I'm not saying it correctly, Sibelius Smog, uh, good afternoon to you. Um, Ah, I thought it was you, Simon. <laughs> I missed you last week, and Eugene, and all of you. Hi, Simon. Welcome back. You were missed last week. Uh, Simon is my good friend from the UK. Miss Pretty, where are you from? Where do you hail from? If you told me years ago, of course, I have forgotten what state are you in or what country. Um, just let me know, and I'll give your state a shout-out as well. Thank you all for being here today. Uh, back to our breathing. I hope you all are doing this because I want you to do it throughout the program. And this program really does lead into um, today's um, lesson because I need you all to take charge of your lives. One more time with me. Let's inhale. Now let's exhale slowly. Inhale. Now exhale slowly. Inhale. Now exhale slowly. For many of you, you know that today is Easter Sunday, and it's also April Fool's Day. So it's so interesting that these two fall on the same day, and it happens to be the day that I'm doing our program because you notice the symbolism of Easter. We're not going to go into that as deeply today as April Fool's Day. And this is the day usually, I know here in the U.S., where a lot of people tend to play pranks and jokes and things of that nature. And I need you all to know something about this because so many people have been made fools of, not just on April 1st, but all throughout the year and years with an S. So my topic today is all about waiting for someone, and this is where we tend to fall prey to the feel-good, foo-foo, fluff-fluff gurus out here and all of those people who are using our heartache and pain for their benefit and their betterment. Why do many of us wait for someone? We wait for someone to love us, to respect us, to approve of what we want to do and what we want to say and how we want to dress. Why do we wait for someone to save or tell us what to do? You know, when you live your life like that, you will be disrespected. You will be walked upon. 
Before you give up and wait for others to save you, try looking in the mirror because your rescuer is no further than the person you see looking back at you in that mirror. That person is your best cheerleader, fan, motivation, and inspiration. This week's inspiration comes from me. Stop waiting for others to do what you have the power to do yourself. I'm not going to keep you long because I know that this is a very special day for so many people, and you'll be be going to your houses of worship, and you'll be going to spend time with family and friends, but this is our time for me to spend with my friends, my family, the people who I may not have met physically, but you have become just as much a part of me and my life and my sunshine in my day as if we had known each other for a lifetime. If Simon wasn't here last week, and I made sure that I saw him posting online, and I may not have been as uh, active as I was, as I have been, but I'm going through some great storms right now, and it seems that when they come and attack me, they come in droves. There's not just one thing happening. There's a multitude of things happening all at once, but guess what? Look at where I am. I'm here with you, wherever you are in this world, listening to my voice. We welcomed Kuwait to our listening family last week. Each week I look to see who's coming on new, and I'm pretty sure that there were more countries there, but I picked the ones with the highest listenership, and then I go from there to second highest and the third and all of that. But we're, we're heard throughout the world, but I like to give shout-outs to those, especially our new listenership, Kuwait. I don't know when the last time we had Kuwait on our list, but they were there last week, and they were shining. So hello, Kuwait. Hello. United Arab Emirates has taken the second place. They have ousted Canada and the U.K., for spot number two, and you know, a few weeks ago, we welcomed the United Arab Emirates, and now they are growing by leaps and bounds in our listenership, the UK, Canada, and Kuwait. And here in the United States, as I said earlier, New York, Virginia, Maryland, Illinois, Colorado, Ohio, Georgia, and Oregon were our top listeners for last week. Who knows what this week will hold? But let me tell you all something. I'm not going to sit around, and I'm not going to have a pity party, and I'm not going to continue to talk about all of these things that are bogging me down because I know through faith that the great I am in the universe is going to bring me through this. You know, I was going through something with a former employer. It's a huge employer. Um, many of you all know them, especially in the United States, the United States Postal Service. I had worked there for years, got injured on the job, and once again, you know, they are notorious for discriminating against injured employees. They have been stealing my money. They're messing with my retirement. They are taking my tax refunds. They're doing all types of things, and I had just put out a call for an attorney to take on my case because I knew that they were doing dirty. And lo and behold, just this weekend, I got a letter from the law department there where they had once again lost another major lawsuit. 
And secondly, then I got a, a letter from the attorneys who the attorneys who are representing the class employees or former employees. You know, I was ousted. They went as far, and they still now. I left there in 2015. As of 2018, they're still harassing me. They're still stealing my taxes. They're still doing all types of things. Well, they just lost this major lawsuit. And had I just left it alone and just sat back, they would still be stealing, cheating, lying, being the dirty dogs that they are. I'm waiting for some government entity to come in and wipe them clean because that is one organization. You have no idea what goes on behind those doors, what carriers and employees have to endure to get mail to your Addresses. You have no idea, and I'll be starting a serious advocacy campaign to shed light on everything that this particular organization is doing because there are some people, as long as they don't say anything to them, they don't care. Heck, they'll go in there and turn against you, the person who's trying to fight for the betterment of everyone. You know why? Because every no one wants to be the center of attention. They want to be left alone. Until the crap comes to their door, then they'll be the first ones to come to the stronger people and want them to support them. Let me tell you something about life. This is why you cannot wait for someone to be your rescuer. You have to do it for yourself. And let me tell you how wonderful the great I am of this universe works. I lost everything dealing with that particular company. But in doing so, when I started to rebuild, I have a lot less now. But I learned how to enjoy living, not really enjoy, but I'm comfortable living with a lot less as I rebuild. And I have more money in my bank accounts now than I did when I was there because I was making good money and I was spending great money. Now, I don't have that. So I learned how to save. I learned how to build up in the event that I'm left without employment or sick again or something of that nature. I have that money. You need to learn how to stop waiting for someone else to come and rescue you. You need to stop waiting for someone to give you approval, for someone to tell you what to do. You have resources now. You have me. You have the Wall Foundation. You have Healing Through Heard, iTalk Radio Network. You have people who are willing to give you that encouragement, that information, that enlightenment for you to be your own rescuer. Stop waiting for other people to come and save you because many times when those people come to save you, they expect something in return. Let me say that again. When those people come to save you, many, not all, but many will expect something in return. We, as human beings, were put on this earth to serve and help one another. Yes, do I speak? Of course I do. Is there a fee? Absolutely, because it's my livelihood outside of me right now having to work. And when people know that you're going through something, they'll try to help you, but they'll try to lowball you in the process. There's more to this story, but right now, all of this happened in a matter of days. I got one letter on Thursday, the other on Friday. 
to know that everything that I was fighting for, these people falsify documents, they lie. I'm sure some of you know exactly what I'm talking about and what we go through on our jobs. Some people marginalize you, some people berate you, you try to do the right thing. Let me tell you something, there is a chain of command, especially in a lot of federal agencies and other jobs. You read your employee manuals, you see what the chain of command is. You have to go through that chain of command once. Doesn't tell you to keep going, keep going, if you're going to keep getting the same things. And then if you don't know what to do after the chain of command serves you no real purpose, then you need to reach out and find resources, external resources, outside of your place of business or your neighborhood or wherever you are. You need to find unbiased external resources that can help you get the information that you need to, to elevate or to take your concern to the next level. I live through this every single day. I will give everyone a chance to do the right thing, but after a certain point when people are getting worse and get, their actions are getting worse and no one's doing anything, it's time to take it up a notch or two or six or ten or whatever it needs to be to get what needs to be done, done. No one's going to come and do that for you. In many cases, you need to do this for yourself. You need to stop, for some of you, you need to stop being afraid to voice your concerns. You need to stop being afraid to stand up. You need to stop being afraid to show up. You need to stop being afraid. to speak up for yourself. I forgot to tell you all that there are moments when I get silent throughout our program prayerfully. It's because, I need you all to understand this, it's because I give you that moment to digest what has been discussed up to that moment so that you can figure out where you need to apply this in your life we will be starting our new Remembering Your Worth series webinars later on this year. I want you all to register for these. And if you don't want it, please share it because you have friends, most of us do, who need these classes. They need these programs. Yes, I'm here to provide you with certain insights here, but then we take it to another notch and another level where you're in that classroom setting where you are speaking with me, and it's small classes, just a few people and me, myself, uh, with me, or um, I don't know what I just said, but that did not come out correctly. But anyway, got to love live uh, radio. These classes are made for us to be in a private setting. We're going to do some virtual because I have so many students and listeners all over the world. I want you to be able to participate. We have so many students all over the world and listeners, but we're going to be doing real world as well. As many of you know, I'm down. I'm to the downside now of my 
program um, for school, my law school practice. I should be graduating sometime. Um, I should, my classes should be ending in September of 2019. And we actually have a caller coming on the line right now, last four, 0859, 0859. Yes, Good morning, Sunday mornings. Friend. How are you? Good morning. I'm going bless, bless. Um, it's just an honor to be here, honor to be alive. And yes. I was up today, and a lot of people, a lot of Christians in particular, are going to be celebrating Resurrection Sunday, and a lot of preachers are mm-hmm. going to be preaching that Jesus rose this day. But I have a question. Ma'am, are you a Christian? If he rose on the third day and he died on Friday, that's not three days. So we're mm-hmm. preaching and teaching a lot. Now, in the Bible, he did die. In the Bible, he did rose on the third day. He was risen. But tell me in the Bible when he speak about Easter. Tell me in the Bible when he speak about an Easter Sunday, an Easter bunny. Tell me when Mm -hmm. that happened. So I want people to understand, like yourself and others that's listening to this radio program, don't get caught up in tradition. Don't get caught up in what sounds good. Get caught up into the truth. Mm-hmm. And I don't Sunday. disagree with you. It is. And I don't disagree with you on that. And it, I, I don't know if you heard the show when it first got started, but I said, yes, today is Easter Sunday, and plenty of people will be going to the houses of worship and having dinner with their family. It's also April Fool's Day. And I said how befitting and interesting that both of these holidays fall on the same day, and it just happened to be today. And one thing that I have spoken about before because um, is the question, and a lot of people are starting to question the stories of the Bible, even as a young child. And I want to share this with my listeners and with you. I had a lot of questions because, you know, they say, let's talk about Christmas. But yet, you know, when they show the manger and all of that, there's like, must be 200 degrees out there in the Saudi sand somewhere, you know, where we have the sand dunes and all of this. And, you know, who said that he was born on Christmas? You know, who Nobody, said, you know, you um, know a lot of things. I, I would answer that. You, you, you asking a question and I know the answer, man, man did this. Oh, I was the getting to that. The white man and the white woman. Who said Jesus was white? Jesus is not white. When the scriptures tell you and describe Jesus, he described him as a Hebrew, as something dark. So, again, we as people of God, children of God, have to have an education and have to have their own understanding. You will have to trust and verify. On your dollar bill, it say, in God we trust, Right? But when mm-hmm. you take a $100 bill, they will still put it under that light, trust and verify. I'm not going to just trust a church that say that Jesus' birthday is on Christmas. Well, if that's the case, then why are we celebrating Black Friday? Why are we buying everybody else's gift? When are we going to give a gift to Jesus? If it's his birthday, what, how did Santa Claus get in here? 
How did James Brown come up with the record? Santa Claus goes straight to the ghetto. What does that have to do with Jesus' birthday? Mm-hmm. See, You're this going is all about today. to get money. This is yes. all oh, about yes, definitely. to get you to go spend your refund money. And they make sure that Easter is in the time of tax season. This is all about money. When Jesus was born, he was born during the tax season. <laughs> and and he, they couldn't find no room for Jesus. So Jesus had to go somewhere else. So I don't get deep, too deep in it. I just look at and read the word for what it is, and that's it. We try to make it so deep and give a date. Jesus wasn't into days. He wasn't into time. He wasn't in tradition. Because when Jesus came on the earth, he changed things. He broke tradition. Because tradition will kill you. Do you know there's some people that say, I don't want to take a bath on Saturday and Sunday because it's against my tradition? So you will smell. People will use tradition so much and they will die, even though that they know that that ain't the right way. That ain't holy. That ain't the God way. That's your family tradition. America got their tradition. And their tradition is Easter is on this day. We change the day. It's all about the money. Easter bunnies, their eggs. Today is supposed to be about when Jesus rose, his, the resurrection of Jesus. No major network is playing anything about the passion of Christ all day. The major thing you see in most of these churches is fashion shows, who wearing the good suits, who preacher got the most members, and how many people in today are going to go to the street, raise up and help that prostitute, help that drug addict, get that drug addict, get to Christ. How many churches are going to be in the streets today, in the slums, getting the people that's in darkness, doing what Jesus did. We're going to be, a lot of folks in America, especially in black churches, they're going to be wearing the big hats, the fashy suits, the snakeskin shoes, and let me tell you, miss, what do that have to do with Jesus? If you really believe in the Jesus that I know, he didn't worry about wearing a suit and all that. He was out there in the streets helping people, raising people from the dead, healing them. But we today want to say we celebrate his resurrection by backbiting, by taking up all this money in churches, and we rarely give it back to the community, people going into debt. It's people that have died giving money to mega churches, and they died broke. Mm-hmm. So this today, I want to say this to anybody that believes in this day. Go ask your preacher, ask your pastor, pastor, bishop, apostle. Why is it that one month we celebrate Easter in March, one month we celebrate it in April, then the times change when they change the season? And time, how can we know that this is Jesus, this is when he rose? And if Jesus didn't rose on this day, and if he wasn't resurrected on this day, and you're preaching that, you're preaching a lie. Jesus possibly could have rose in November. We don't know because the Bible did not give you those calendar and dates because that wasn't important. The important was I'm going to die and I'm going to be resurrected. That's what he preached. He wasn't into dates. He wasn't into times. And then if you ask the question is why did he die? Who killed Jesus? 
See, when you ask these questions, that's the most important. And then when you really ask, why did he have to die? Why did he have mm-hmm. to rose again? Most people don't know the answer to those questions because they're just so happy to wear a suit, to go to church, to be in a fashion show. And I get it. But I won't go to a church that's telling me that Jesus died on a Friday morning, Friday night. Some say Friday morning, some say Friday night, and he rose one early Sunday. That's not 72 hours. Well, if let me he, let me took, let me interject here. I understand I I hear what you're saying and let me say this. You you when you talk about the 72 hours and all of that, you know, society has indoctrinated so many people to believe the word of that person that's in that pulpit or wherever they are that so many people don't want to go any further than that because if you think about it they also say that some people live to be 9988 years old to us that's impossible so we should know and i agree with you we should know that there that if these books were written way back when and even then they were still written by a man or human being. So they wrote their version or their view of this story. And I've spoken about that many of times. When I was even a child, I asked certain questions, and my, I got in plenty of trouble with my mother. How dare I ask? I was a child, and I wanted to know because the stories that I was being told even then did not click to me. They were not making sense to me. And I understand and I agree with you in that respect, and that's one of the things that I believe. We've been around for eight years now. So even eight years ago, if we did a show at this time or sometime during my speaking engagements, I've told people Sundays is one of the main days that I don't go to churches. Why? Because everybody, the one-time show-ups will be there. The church will be jam-packed with people, and then... Now, I don't know where you hail from or, or the churches that you've seen, but let me tell you something. Then they'd all would have come up and joined the church so they could really <laughs> right. show off their new outfits. Mm-hmm. And then you don't see them again. You might see them the next Easter Sunday, but you don't. And that's a wonderful show when we get into this social consciousness and what we see. And you're right. These churches, instead of them, give me money. Uh, you know, I belong, I go to s- specific churches and where where really one is a Christian church, one is, um, is um, not traditional. But you have one offering and you're done. But certain churches, and you know what I'm talking about, they have yes, four or five different pastors at the plate. The pastor's living in a mini mansion or a mansion. He's driving around in a Bentley while the church roof is caving in on the members. So, yes, this is a story, and this is what I mean today when people are waiting for someone to tell them what to think, to tell them how to live, to tell them what to do. That's exactly the basis for my show today is the fact that, yes, it's Easter Sunday, and I said at the beginning of this show, we're not going to delve into that too much. We're going to delve more into it being April Fool's Day because so many of us have been made fools up. And that's why today is all about Listen, people, you need to start thinking for yourself because the most dangerous weapon on this earth is a free thinker. But so many people, they don't question this. So many people, half of my listenership is probably turned off my program today because of you. 
I was doing a good job of bringing it in, but then you called in and you just brought it to them raw and ready. And they'd have probably hung up by now. They had a few words that they probably said to themselves. Then they'd have hung up that, that phone and said, oh, no, I can't. I got to go to blah, 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 blah. It's the same people that will probably hear what you said, and you'll be the topic of discussion in the car. You'll be the topic yeah. of it. And some of them are going to catch that attitude. But they're going to turn me back on in the car while they're riding the church because they want to hear what else this man has to say or what C. Maria's going to say. I this. If. My name is Marquise Wiley, and I do a show, the Wiley Show, and I and I and I listen and I listen to preachers. I've been born and raised in a Pentecostal church, True Church of Holiness, fifty-seven thirty-five South Indiana in Chicago, Illinois. And I disagree with the church because you all would preach certain things. One thing they would mm-hmm. preach, okay, they would preach, okay, all you gays, y'all going to hell, y'all going to burn. And I said, okay, when did Jesus say homosexuals is going to hell? Jesus came on the earth. He was here. Why did he come in contact with any homosexuals and tell them to get delivered? Why didn't Jesus say, you on your way to hell, you going to burn? Why didn't Jesus say to the woman that committed adultery, you on your way to hell, you're going to burn? She, he said, if you have not sinned, cast the first song. And she told, he pretty much told the woman, go and sin no more. He didn't say nothing about you going to hell, you're going to be burning. Where's all this hostility coming from? When did we become the judge, the jury, the executioner? Do you know it's a lot of preachers that preach that? Do you know it's a lot oh, of yeah. preachers in a pulpit that will make you feel like you less than a human being because the same sex and you're going to burn in eternally? And they say it was so much harsh and venom. But then you got women. Then your daughter would get pregnant and you would throw her a baby shower and she's unmarried. And the Bible says if you're unmarried, you keep committing what? If you're unmarried, you, you, you out here single having sex, you a, a whoremonger. So mm-hmm. is they going to hell too? If you get a divorce from your husband and you marry another husband, do you know in some churches and some people believe that that's wrong? And that's the church that I was in. You know, as many people at this church, at the true church of Holiness, that believe mm-hmm. that if your husband leaves you, you cannot get remarried until you reconcile that marriage, until he dies. So you will have to, as a woman, pretty much because predominantly that goes to the church is women. They will have to sit down in the bench, sit down in the pew for years and burn and yearn from a man, but they're being taught by their leader that they can't get married again because they husband decide to leave because they have a living husband. Do you know how much sense? that? That's crazy. That's your tradition. The Bible didn't speak of that. The Bible didn't speak that you can't get married again. He said you can. If you divorce your husband and put him away, you can go get another husband. Why should and you there wait is. Your there is. Yeah. I did a show what about that. I did a show about that. I said, let me tell you all something. There are people that believe that when your husband divorces you, that you're not supposed to get married again until after he dies. I went through that Bible and I found that passage. I said, no, 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 no. I said, there is a passage in there that says that, yes, we can too get married. But again, 
What does that come from? What did I say? I said the bottom line is simple, people. Be your own rescuer. Be, find out your information for yourself. Stop being a drone listening to what someone in a pulpit is telling you. That person wants you there so that you can pass that plate and help that person nine times out of ten pay for their mortgage and their fancy car and their fancy house. I shared this story where an old neighbor of mine, she was a Jehovah's Witness, and um, and uh, she was doing, you know, they were going out doing their door knocking and all of that, and she had gone to a house, and it was the house of a pastor. And um, he invited them in, and he said, see all this fancy vases and stuff? The church bought this, and I do it because I can afford, you know, I can afford all of this because I tell the people what they want to hear, and blah, blah, blah. And um, another incident, neighbor said, yeah, you know, I was at church my Sunday. The pastor said he wanted to go out and buy a new high-priced car, and he said, do you know who I am? If you give me a good deal on this car, every other pastor is going to come in and want to buy a better car than this one because that's what they want to do in the church. She thought that that was so funny. I said, that's really pathetic. That's really pathetic. And you all think that this is funny, and you all go there, and you all say amen to this man talking about using your money, your hard-earned money, to buy a fancy car. And then he's going to try to bargain with the salesman and say, if you give me this at a good price, then the other pastors are going to use their parishioners' money to come in and buy a better car. Then you have that, that fool on television, one of those televangelists. God told him to tell congregation that he needs a new private jet. What? You know, these are the things that so many people they totally overlook. They don't even think about this. And don't speak ill of their pastor. You might get a shank or a cut or something. You know, I'm talking old school now, talking about shanking people. But, but you know what? You will get I cut or shot. This. I want to say this. We have preachers by the name Bishop T.D. Jakes, Clef O'Dollar. And I want to stick with that. Mm-hmm. And then you have preachers by the name Drew Austin. Those preachers. Mm-hmm are running multi-million dollar organizations, multi-million dollar mm-hmm. churches. And Bishop T.D. Jake said that if I were to give all of my money, all of the money from the church to homeless people, then his staff, he won't be able to feed his staff. How much logic is that? So you're trying to tell me. And then he said, what, what, what is the government doing? No, it's not the government's job. You're supposed to be the preacher. You're supposed to be the one that's God sent. It is your job to make sure that your congregation is taken care of, Bishop T.D. Jakes. Bishop T.D. Jakes and all of these people are false prophets. They're not sent by God. Your old sin is not sent by God. Do you know that they will tell you to give all your money? Do you know it's some churches that will tell you if you don't pay your tithes, you're going to get sick and you're going to die? Do you know if some people believe that? Do you know? Oh, yeah. It, it, was this lady, it was this lady that I knew. My grandmother picked her up. We picked her up from the store, and she said this. She said, I'm not feeling good. And she said, I got cancer because I didn't pay my tithes. And I said to her, as a little boy, I was a teenager, I said, 
God is not looking at how much you gave for you to get canceled. That's not no reason why you got canceled. Who told you that? She said, that's what they told me at the church. And then they would embarrass you. They would read out how much tithes you pay. They would read that out publicly. Sister so-and-so, zero dollars. They would read out, how, how is that? God is not in, God, God do not care how much money you give in a church every week, 10%. He don't care nothing about that. What God cares about, he cares about how you're treating your brother and your sister, not how much money you're giving to your pastor. Because a lot of these preachers are living large, and majority of the members are homeless, on food stamps, and on Section A public housing. They are all this up and on the public transportation. And your preacher got all of the resources. How much, how much sense does that make? When, when Jesus came mm-hmm. on the earth, he didn't come into no mansion. He didn't come into the Hilton Hotel. He had to go through. He was born in a manger. So if Jesus had to humble himself, and he's the king of kings and the lord of lords, then Bishop T.D. Jackson, why are you so successful and have all this money, and then you can't give it to your people? It's not about what you do. It's how you do it. It's okay to have money, but if you see your members in your church that's been there for 20-plus years that's struggling, you should be able to give them a certain percentage of their money, especially if they've been paying tithes for the last 40 years. Do you know it's people that's died? That, that died out of a church that, that's in nursing homes and the churches that they gave money to for 40 years don't go visit them? Do you know that? Oh, yes. I know, and I have reported it on this show because let me tell you something. They will say, well, we're not going to do X, Y, Z because sister so-and-so or brother so-and-so stopped tithing. Yes, I know that, and I have spoken about that, and I have spoken about the fact that no harm but a lot of these churches they are big business. They are corporations, and they should be addressed as such because they are using the vice of being a religious institution to shield them from taxes. Many of them are doing this. Don't get me wrong. There are some good houses of worship out there, I am sure. But we know who we're talking about, and we know what we're talking about. There was one in another country. I read up on them, and they can um, come in, have sex, and drink, drink alcoholic beverages and all that, but that's some type of a church. Then you had the one where the preacher has all the women sit on the front row, and they can't wear panties because he has to send his message straight through their, their body parts up to God or some foolishness. People, again, what is this show? Waiting for someone to tell us what, how to think, how to do, what to say, what to believe. That is what this show is about. So I love the fact that you called in today to shed light on these things. Just as I was rearing up, you hit the button and you had come online because that's one of the things that uh, we need to continue to shed light on it. People, everyone who listens to all of my programs know that we don't turn anybody back. We let everybody come on here, give their statements, their opinions, because guess what? Not everybody's going to believe not what they're being gonna, sold. But what no, I'm not everybody's going to fall for that. No, everybody's not. Not everybody. A lot of black people slaves. They have not gotten off the plantation. They are still in mental bondage, mental slavery. They still believe that, the, the, that their pastor is their God. If you worship your pastor, you are wrong. See, your pastor is right. not your God. He is a man. He bleeds like you bleed. He's he, he, he going to die like you die. But you preachers, Bishop T.D. Jakes, 
Pastor Joel Osteen, Apostle this, uh, 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 Pastor Clef O'Dollar. Y'all do all of this preaching about prosperity, but when is the prosperity going to hit your members? When is it going to hit that 50-year-old woman that's been in your church for 40 years and she's still broke? See, the problem with churches is they need to teach their people about credit. See, God will bless you, but if you got a 525 credit score, you won't get it. But if you get a 750 and above, you will get it. See, prayer is all about getting you through to help you. It's not an antidote to make you forget how to be a good, productive citizen. See, again, I want to say this, and I say this humbly. We got to get out of, Lord, can you bless me with this house? He can't bless you with that house with no 500 and 495 credit score. Why would he bless you with something that he know you ain't going to keep because you can't pay your bills on time? Because if That's listen right. to this life, listen to this. If you're so faithful in paying your 10% and then you pay money out of your offering, and then if you can't go back to that church and withdraw some money from there, that's wrong. Because anything that I'm paying for, whether it's in taxes, whether I'm putting money into a 401k, I can go in and cash in on it. But one thing that you can't cash in on is your tithing and your offering. Most churches should have a special fund that if you give 10%, I will put it in the account, and so if you go through anything, you can, I, you can withdraw half of your money back. They should. And I want to say this to these churches. Man, a black gay man in America, if you speak against homosexuals, I want to tell you some churches that speak against homosexuals. Give all the money back to every homosexual that have been giving you tithing for the last 20 years. Because if they're on their way to hell, why are you accepting their money? If gay people are on their way to hell, why are you allowing them to sing in a choir? If you believe that, preachers, if you believe that homosexuals is wrong, if you believe that we're on our way to hell, then stop taking our money. Then stop taking our resources. Then stop allowing us to sing in your churches. I'm not going to go to a church that's going to tell me every Sunday, because I was a part of a church, True Church of Holiness. I was a part of an organization. Every week they made me feel bad because I'm gay. Every week they made me feel like I was beneath me because who I slept with. Every week. I was hearing you on your way to hell. You're on your way to hell. You're on your way to hell. And guess where I'm at? I'm still here. I'm on my way to success. I'm not on my way to hell. I'm not on my way to damnation. As long as I treat people good, you will continue to live because the Bible says treat people with You got to treat them good. Do good. All Jesus did was he did good. It had nothing to do with who he was sleeping with. That's irrelevant. How are you treating your mama and your daddy? I have a preacher. My uncle is a pastor of a church, and his mother's house is falling apart, but his house is good. How can you say that you're a man of God and your own mama is living in a house falling apart? Do you understand that logic? And then I speak up and say, you know what? How can y'all want my grandmother to come to church for 40 years? Her house is falling apart. Her mortgage is behind. Nobody can help her. And you got a son that's a preacher. He don't give a damn about it. But you're supposed to be a man of God? How can you say I'm a man of God and I don't even care nothing about my mother's house and her condition? See, again, most preachers don't care about you. They only care about their bank account. They only care about their account and their family. 
I, I, I don't have no respect for Bishop T.D. Jakes. I have no respect for the pastors in Chicago that allow this. I have no respect for true church of holiness. I have no respect for a church that say you believe in the true, the church of holiness. You can't believe in truth if you're allowing people that's gay, you make them feel bad, they crying because you're telling them they're on their way to hell. I'm going to tell you something, sister. When post-nightclub happened, when them homosexuals was, was killed, I went, to, I went to true church of holiness, my, my church that I grew up in. I went there and I said something. Oh, my God. I said, oh, we going to get it. And when I said we, I said every gay person, and me included, and I said I'm going to get it because I'm the only openly gay man in this church. Not the only gay man. I'm the only openly gay man. So I went to church that mm-hmm. night, and I sat down. And they said, my pastor, that pastor said, my former pastor said, oh, they deserve to get that. Solomon and Gomorrah, they deserve to get that. But then I said this. I wanted to raise my hand and ask him this question. What about the, the shooting that happened in Charleston and that church shooting? When those black people lost their lives, were they lives worthy? Are they on their way to hell? Because they were shot and killed in church. Uh, Dr. King's mother was shot and killed in church. So was her, is she on her way to hell? So why is it just because gay folks that got died in a senseless death in a club why they on their way to hell? But what about the slaves that was brought here from Africa that died? Are they on their way to hell? What about those black people that was hugged and lynched? Are they on their way to hell? What about Emmett Till? Is he on his way to hell? See, your logic, I don't understand the logic. Because how can we say that gay people on their way to hell, but then if you inv- you, you, you a preacher, you got all this money, and you don't want to share it, you on your way to heaven. How how can we how can we say well, you on your way to hell? But I'm not let me let me let me interject oh. on you again because I tell you this because if you look at a lot of these people that's preaching exactly what you're saying, who the main ones that get caught up in the scandal, get caught with their pants down with somebody that looked just like them, get caught having a baby by another a church member, get get caught doing everything that they claim to, to, to despise and tell the people to work against and pray against and be against and all of that. Again, it comes back down to what? Listening to what somebody telling you to believe and do. You know, my family, my brother has two boys and a girl, and they're all gay. And they're still my, my two nephews and my niece, period. It's not up for debate. It's not up for discussion. I'm not trying to hear the dribble from nobody. And if I'm sitting in the middle of a congregation, they start talking that crazy, guess who knows how to stand up, slide to the left, slide to the right, whichever way is easier for me to get to the main aisle where I can leave, that's what a sister going to do. Because guess what? You don't sit up here and try to tell me none of your dribble. Tell me your skeletons in your closet before you start trying to tell me about somebody else. Tell me your skeletons, because it never fails from Congress to the churches to your neighborhood. The main people who have all that lip are the main people that's living a lie, the main ones that's living a lie. I have said it on my show a million times. It ain't my point to judge nobody. God wants people to be good people. God wants people to be good people. And it's not just black people. There are people who don't look like us that are buying into the BS too. 
You look at Joel Osteen's church, they, a lot of them don't look like us. And, and when they had that, that flooding, when they had that flooding, yeah. though, ahead, that church yeah, was dried in a bone. That church was dried yeah. in a bone. And, and until that one person, one person went there with their little handheld camera, and they started, people, to, people would jump on whatever bandwagon is the best at the moment. One person went there, and that's when they opened up that church to the people. They were talking about, it's flooded too. No, it wasn't flooded. It wasn't flooded. You're lying. You just didn't want those credence from the street in there messing up your congregation and your church when you can't pass a plate to get some money for them. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what, brother, and, and you know brother, what? brother. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And you know what? When Joe Osteen got caught up, he had to get on camera, and he lied. He lied. He got on camera and said the church wasn't safe. It wasn't safe for people to – he lied. It was safe to go in there. The only reason why of the course. people wasn't allowed to go in there is because I don't want these people in my church, these homeless people. Exactly. Homeless. I just want them to exactly. give me money, period. Exactly. They couldn't come in and say, hey, I know you lost everything, but we're going to pass this plate anyway. They wasn't getting anything out of it. Then they wanted and to see if the what? government you could know help what? them. I want to say this about Joel Osteen. Pastor Osteen, or on Pastor Joel Osteen, you should have gave each of those people $500,000 because you got the money. These folks got it. Give them, share your wealth. Why is it, Pastor Joel Osteen, that you're so wealthy and your members are struggling? The logic don't make sense. If I'm going to your church every Sunday and the Bible said you should, you should, know, I mean, you should know your brother and sister, you know them that labor among you, you should know I'm sharing my testimony, I'm telling you I'm broke, I'm telling you I'm going through, you got the answer to my prayer, Pastor Joel Osteen, Bishop T.D. Jakes. You got, the, you got the answer. You got the money. Because the Bible said this, man. It said money answering all things. Most people be weeping and crying and praying, and the pe- the preachers got the money to handle your situation. Your prayers is answered. But the, the devil, the enemy is in your preacher, in your pastor, and telling them don't give the money. You ain't going to give it because you're selfish. Greed is a powerful thing. Greed will make you withhold that money and you will die. Let's look at Bishop Eddie Long. I want to talk about Bishop Eddie Long. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about my brother because that man did something so evil. He said, gay's going to hell. You're on your way to hell. Gay's going to hell. And look how he died. He got caught up in a gay scandal. And that man died horrible. He did not die as a muscular man. He died wearing probably a hundred and some odd pounds. So, again, you preachers sitting here preaching about this and everything like that, the most homophobic preachers are probably homosexuals themselves. The most preachers that preach about homosexuals so much probably dealing with a gay man on the DL. That's why you got gay folks that will expose preachers because they should expose preachers. If you're not, if you are a, a wolf, in sheep clothing, you need to be exposed. That's what Jesus did. So mm-hmm. again, and that's what I just told you. And you did it. But I want to say it in a way that folks that sitting at home, that's in preschool and in kindergarten, so they will understand. If you, Bishop T.D. Jake, say that you don't believe that homosexuals are going to heaven, you don't believe in same-sex marriage, 
You don't believe in same-sex marriage. Are you going to – you have family members that have side of wedlock, so are they not going to heaven either? You don't believe in sex day marriage, but you believe in getting money out of the church, and, and you ain't putting hardly nothing back into the church. You'll, you'll probably build a big, beautiful building, but I want to talk about your members in your church. How many of their lives financially have changed? I'm not worried about you creating a big building because having these big buildings, people, they get government funding, they get investors to do all. They're not doing it out of their personal bank account. Don't believe that lie. I want to know how your members doing in their bank account. I want to know how that single mother doing with six kids when she's on a public transportation going to church. What are you doing for her? But then they'll say this, ma'am. They'll say, Marquis, they, they need to be praying and asking God. God already did it. He gave it to Bishop T.D. Jakes. He gave it to Joel Osteen. He gave it to Clef O'Dollar. They need to share the wealth. And then you got some, some crazy black folks. I speak for my people because I'm black. I can't speak mm-hmm. for the Chinese man and for the Arab man. I can only speak for what I know at the black perspective. Black folks go in debt giving their money to the churches. If they gave that money, say, for instance, this, ma'am, for 40 years you invest in Nike, you invest in Apple, like you pay tithing, you would be better off than investing in your church. You would have been better off investing in a 401k, put your money away. Imagine this logic. For the last 40 years, you give 10% and you put it in a savings account. You would be better off than doing that and giving it to a church. You would be better off putting money, a certain percentage of money, into a bank account than giving your money to a church. Because then, with that in, you will know that it's there. You can do something. You can help folks. Why would you give it to a church organization that they don't? They really don't even want to give you the information of where they're spending the money to? You got a building fund. You got this fund. You got all these building funds, but then the building look crappy. You got all of these offerings you add up, but then folks are still hungry and, and homelessness is still in your church. Why is it? Where's the money going to? Do you know they pay some church musicians hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars to play an instrument? Mm-hmm. But then you want you you play all they it's some people music budget that's over sixty seven over a hundred grand. You got some church that got a music budget over two million dollars. Some of these music budget alone is in a multi million dollar budget. Mm-hmm. Most of their ministers of music make six figures. Most of their ministers of music make six figures. Most. Again, for all of the listeners throughout the world, not all. Nothing is absolute. Thank the Lord for that. that Nothing is absolute. Because, but most, a vast majority of them, the same people who are sitting up in it, and they'll call themselves opening it up to the church. We need you to vote on whether or not we give him a raise. And it's like, okay, you can't afford to tithe now. So when you vote on that raise, that means the church is going to expect you to give him more money so that they can go ahead on and help the minister of music make his six-figure salary. And back in the day, and I'm 50, I'll be 55, and back in the day when I was much younger, the bottom line was simple. The Minister of Music was making six figures way back when. So I can only imagine what they're making now. In some churches, people, and I'm sorry for some of you, I always say that this is real people, real stories, real hurt, real healing. If you don't want to hear the real story, this is not the place for you. This is not the place for you because this is what it's all about. We welcome people to come here to give their 
their their opinions, to give their feelings, to share their thoughts. That's what this is about. This is not about sitting up here sugarcoating. What I always tell you all from my book, Silent Noise Lip Service, what's the piece called? What we don't do, we don't. We don't sugarcoat. We, we're going to rock the boat. And the bottom line is simple. Yes, I understand everything that you said, and I can't even deny that anything that you've spoken about today is something that a lot of people should not be enlightened and become awakened to. You all need to wake up. You need to start asking questions. Now, that's a show for another day. When you do start to stand up in most of these same churches and you start asking questions, what do they do? You become a walking target. They start to attack you until you're forced yes, out of the church. Every single church, all of these churches, these, these mega million churches, and these, look, wannabe churches. Let's just talk about the wannabes that's in our everyday neighborhood. I'm going to tell you, I went to a church, the True Church of Holiness, located 5735 South Indiana, Chicago, Illinois. I went there and I started asking questions. They got an order of protection. They barred me from the church. And the only reason why they barred me from the church and they labeled me crazy is because I wouldn't bow down to their lies. I said, no, I'm not on my way to hell. I'm not going to hell. Why is it? Listen to this, people. We got to stop talking about heaven and hell as being this place. Let me, let me say something right quick, because I'm about to wake it up. People have been taught. The slave master taught us, taught our ancestors, that, nigga, well, you're you going to go through this on earth, but when you die, you're going to go to heaven. So go through this, let me beat you, let me list you, and you're going you gonna to go to paradise. You're going to have hell on earth, but you're going to have paradise in heaven. No, you're not, because God wants you to have paradise where you at. He don't want you to wait until you get to an imaginary place up in the sky or an imaginary place under the earth. He wants you to live right on earth. That's why he sent his son, Jesus, to the earth. He said, come, he said, I, he said, I'm going to give him, I've got to give my only begotten son because he wanted you to get free from your sin so you can live a good, healthy life, a good, good life. You're on your way to hell. You're going to burn. When the last time you've been there? you on your way to hell. I'm going to heaven and I'm so glad and you broke. You die broke. You die with dementia. You die, but you're going to heaven? We teaching people that? Why can't I be successful here on earth? Why can't, on the place that I'm at, I'm born here, why can't I have a good life on earth? You can. People, stop believing in heaven. Stop believing in earth as being this physical place where you're going to have angels in the sky and all that. Because if you've never been there, how do you know it exists? Just try to be the best person you can be where you're at, and that's on earth. You got a lot of folks. I have people in my family that's preachers, evangelists, prophetess, but you can't talk to your gay nephew and gay cousin, but you say you're going to heaven? The Bible says, how can you love God whom you have not seen but hate your brother whom you see every day? How can you hate me? You see me every day. And then you're going to tell me with that same lying tongue, you going to heaven, 
But you can't see, you, you call me all type of names. You faggot, you queer, you on your way to hell, you gonna burn, you crazy, you saying all these terms, but you going to heaven. And I'm telling you, I don't want to lie. I want to be honest. I don't want to be on the download. You got a lot of churches that will allow you to be gay if you in the closet. Soon you come out of that closet and say you want to come out, then that's when they change. That shouldn't be. You know that the people knew in that Bishop Eddie Long was gay. They knew that. They knew it. His wife knew it. But it's okay. It's okay because you you a preacher. You get in the closet. But then when it came out, ma'am, oh, Bishop Eddie Long, you got to sit down. They set him down. He had to sit down. From the church he created it, he, he had to sit down. Then they had to get another preacher up there. Then Bishop Eddie Long, when he lost all that weight, oh, I'm a vegetarian. I'm eating good. No, that wasn't it. You died. From evilness, you was a liar and a deceiver. And then people would say, you shouldn't talk about the dead. You should, no, you, no, 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 don't talk about, no, no, you should. You should be talking about folks that lie. Because Bishop Eddie Long, I use him as an, as an example because a lot of preachers are still doing the same thing Bishop Eddie Long did, when, and they still doing it. They mm-hmm. still doing it. And God will send you warnings and say, listen, people, listen, look at this. Nobody learned from that Bishop Eddie Long story. I'm talking about as a massive whole. That told you, that taught me something that stop saying what you say God said. God spoke to me. Do you know when you say that, that sounds crazy? Because God never talked to me as a human being. It's people that be saying, God told me to tell you that when you walk out of here, you're going to become a millionaire. You walk out of that, you don't become a millionaire. Is that preacher a liar? Yes. If people prophesy over your life, and it don't come to pass, they are a false prophet, period. You are lying. New Year's Eve came and went. A preacher told me, it's going to be your year. It's going to be your year. It's going to be your year. You've been saying it for 10 years. When is it going to be my win? I'm going to be financial free. Stop saying stuff because it sounds good. Just tell me, brother, work on your credit, work on your income, invest, and then you will have financial security. But stop telling me it's going to be my year when I don't even know how to pay my bill. It can never be my year. It probably has been my year. But if I don't learn how to have the discipline to pay my bills on time, I wouldn't even know it's my year. See, a lot of churches, the preachers are in debt, and they use the church income to cover up their debt. See, churches need to be teaching, ma'am, and I love this program, credit, APR rate, the points of owning mm-hmm. credit cards. Points of investing. That's what we should be talking about. Not talking about you. God gonna give you some money. It's gonna fall out the sky. It ain't gonna fall out the sky. Only thing that's gonna fall out the sky is some rain. You might get a bullet. You might get hit back. All that type of stuff. But ain't no money gonna fall out the sky and hit you and make you a millionaire. That's not gonna happen. That is a fairy tale. And we need to stop giving these. Pre- we need to stop giving folks fairy tales and give them the real truth. Because the Bible says the truth shall set you free. Let a person but you know, see, like, baby. Go ahead, ma'am. But you see, there's no money in the truth. You see, there's no money for them in the truth. And that's why we do these shows, because there's no money for them in the truth. There's no money for them in the truth. It's big business. It's corporate. It's, 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 it's all of the above now. There's no money in that. And, you know, the show was supposed to end a few minutes ago, but because... You know, I never know when we're going to have a caller such as yourself. 
I let it go over because I do have another engagement to get to. But the the thing is that, again, I love the fact that you called in today for this particular show, and I always talk about divine timing and all of that because – When I say we're waiting for someone to tell us things, we're waiting for someone to answer our questions, we're waiting for someone to be our rescuers, we're waiting for someone to 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 love us, to approve of us, to tell us what to say and what to do. We're always waiting for someone out there. That's when these false prophets and these cosmetic Christians and all of these fake friends and all of that. Always, I used to. I did a show where I said, "Um, I'd rather drink a warm cup of of truth than an ice cold glass of liquid lies." The bottom line is simple: is that we, as a people, we need to be enlightened and we need to wake up. They don't care about if if if, if God or the Great I Am and the universe thinks that you're doing something wrong. That's between you and them. Bottom line is, no matter what part of the Bible you read. We're supposed to be good people to each other. And if God is a jealous God, he don't need nobody to be his jury and executioner. That's his job to do. And the main people, like I said earlier in this show, the main people who are being judgmental are the main people who are living a lie that, you know what, what's done in the dark will come to the light. Like you said, you're an undercover person trying to talk about everybody else that you don't like. The gay this, you're this, you're that. You're an adulterer. But my baby mama over here pregnant, but we got to keep that on the DL. You're, you you yeah. know, you're, you're this, you're that, and you're this, and you're going to hell. I, and the one question that I asked when I was younger was, when the last time you died and went there? Or heaven, for that matter. So how you know where we going to go? You don't know. I'm just saying. You don't know. And let me tell you some people. Stop with that heaven and hell. I can be broke as hell. See, because you, you, because when you say, oh, you broke as hell, you know why they say that? It's because you clarified something that you ain't got nothing, emptiness. See, God wants you to have heaven on earth. He wants you to live a good life on earth. If he didn't want you to live a good life on earth, he would never create earth. So, again. And the earth is a beautiful place. It's a beautiful place. So, why is it, why do you want to spend 90 years under depression? 90 years of financial, you just broke for all the 90 years you've been living, but then you've been living and you've been going to church for 90 years, and then you're going to say, oh, I can't wait, Lord, to make it into heaven. And then I'll be saying to myself, something, something ain't right. This person been serving God for 90 years, been going to church. for, And when I say serving God, you got you to gotta understand what I'm saying. I'm talking about just going into the church building. Because if you've really been serving God, how many people have you helped off the streets? That's serving God. It's not about going in the building. Jesus was not going in the temple every Sunday. See, if we believe it in Jesus, then tell me Jesus Church. Can you please tell me the name of Jesus Church and the address? Show me the bylaws. Show me his board of directors. You won't see it because Jesus and his apostles, his 12 disciples, they was on the earth. They walked the streets. They traveled. Get out of this mentality of building a church. Building a multi-million dollar Why would you waste money on a multi-million dollar church And half of your members is broke Give them the money You could be in a little place of it. We could just rent out a place But if every member in that church Have financial security Then we're in a good place Your place of worship is yourself You worship, you better be good You are the temple You are the church You are that 
so when people say, Marquise, you don't go to, no, I don't go into a physical place, but I'm preaching to you right now. If I was a preacher, I could take up an offering right now. I might not get nothing because I'm telling the truth, but what I'm doing is just giving you, telling you the truth, just giving you real, that's what Jesus did. Jesus didn't go to school to become Jesus. Tell me the college or the theological seminary or cemetery that Jesus went to. He didn't go to one. Ask me, did I go to school to learn how to? No, I just learned common sense. Common sense. I'm from the streets. I'm come from the. I'm a realist. So while being a realist, I'm bringing it to. Okay, how can I explain this message to a mother that have children or to a child that been molested? It's a lot of people that's gay because they've been molested, but then you got some, like myself, that have not been molested. You got a lot of folks that say, well, y'all, my pastor, my former pastor, my uncle, said these words to me. He said, quote, Keith was molested. He was molested. That's why he got, he was molested. And I told my preach, I told my former pastor and uncle, I said, sir, I wasn't molested. Who told you that? Oh, that's what I heard. That's what you heard. That's 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 gossiping. That's backbiting. I was never molested. So that same preacher, my former pastor, and my uncle had to get over the church and say these words. I apologize for saying that he been molested. That's what I heard. But I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna stop telling what other the infamous I heard. The infamous I heard. Do you understand? He said, though, I mean, let me give you this drip when I was at the True Church of Holiness located 5735 South Indiana. I was there one Sunday, and he stood up all the members, all the young kids that was virgins, he thought. He did this. He set them all up. He said, this person a virgin, stand up. That person a virgin, stand up. One person didn't stand up. Marquise Wiley didn't stand up. He didn't point me out. Everybody looked like, oh, what's going on? Then when I went to him in his office, I said, I said, Pastor, and he said, I said, why didn't you set me up? I'm a virgin. Oh, you told me that you were gay, so so I didn't want to stand you up. I said, sir, I'm a virgin. I did not have sex with a woman. I'm still a virgin. So he had to come out again, go downstairs, go over the church, and say, okay, Marquis set up, he's a virgin. But I hate the fact that if the people, let me tell you this story. All the folks that he stood up at the true church of holiness located 5735, 90% of them was having sex. And I said these words. I said, I said, Pastor, why would you stand up, folks, that you know, why would you do that? They having sex, Pastor. They screwing. They are not virgin. But then you say, well, Marquise, don't worry about it. You talk too much. Man, you're, how am I talking too much and you up here lying? See, my point is, people that's listening to me on the blog talk radio platform around the world, stop putting your pastor on a pedestal from a man of God. Everybody that say they represent God don't represent God. They represent themselves. Well, not only that, Matisse, let's let's say this. Stop listening to what everybody say. A lot of people, you know what? I had to break away from my entire family or the majority of them because they refuse to understand that there's more than one side to every story. You know, they think that I'm the worst thing on the world, in the world, based on what my narcissistic sociopath mama told them. And I'm like, you know what? It had come to that point when I was sick and down and in life-threatening conditions and I 
So here they come getting a circle around me to pray for me, to try to exercise me because of what she said. And I'm like, all y'all get out. And then finally I had one person come to me at the beginning of last year. You know, hey, cuz, hey, big sis, you know, I love you and blah, 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 blah. And you do all these great things throughout the world, but you don't respect your mother. You don't do this. I let her have it. How dare you? You don't know a thing about me but what somebody told you. Were you? And it wasn't the first time she had done it. I said, you all don't want to get involved. Were you there? I said, I had one set of cousins that said that they noticed that I was very indrawn and that that was not natural compared to the person that I am now. And nobody stepped up to say, well, is there something else going on in that house? Nobody knew that I was being abused. Nobody knew that I was being neglected. And nobody gave a damn because dear old narcissists come out there and play the victim. Tell you something about my mother. My mother, her name is Sheila Crusoe. And my mother is an alcoholic. My mother treated us bad. My mother, Sheila Crusoe, treated her children like they wasn't human. She drank and she drank and she drank and she drank and she drank. And then you're going to say, Marquise, why you hate your mother? I don't hate my mother. But she is an alcoholic and she hates her children. My mother said something to me. She said, Marquise, I hate you. I wish you was never born. My mother have what they call multiple personalities. She's bipolar. She will talk in different voices. She will say different things. And she have always been saying for years, I don't like you. She told my brother, Darius Barksdale, put him in a mental hospital. I didn't want no kids. I wish I would have aborted you. I wish I would have done that. Her mother, her, her father, Willie Crusoe, did some things to her. My grandfather cheated on my grandmother with a white woman, and he was an elder of the true church of holiness. My great-grandfather... Now, again, well, let me tell you something. For the listeners... Let me tell y'all something about this. See, I'm giving y'all real truth. I'm telling you about my family, how messed up it is to tell you to look at your family and get away from it. And let me tell you when I start speaking the truth. Listen, to see, mental illness is real. My grandmother mm-hmm. is in the church for 40 years. Her father committed suicide when she was a teenager. He shot himself, killed himself. So let's look at that. Paul, why did he commit suicide? Why did you shoot yourself? Because of mental illness. He had a mental problem. He did not want to live anymore. So my mother is born out of that lineage. My mother will say some, my mother has said some crazy things to me. I still to this day like, what is, why is she so angry? My mother, her father, Willie Crusoe, been dead since 1998. But she will still conjure up his spirit. She will still conjure up his spirit because, because he, he, he was the one that affected her mind. My grandfather, Willie Crusoe, will beat my grandmother like she was a dog. And he was an elder at the mm. true church of holiness. People, y'all say Marquise, and I, I'm the black sheep of the family. I'm the black sheep because you know why I'm the black sheep? Because I won't bow down to the evilness. I won't bow down. I tell everybody my family business. I don't give a damn because if the family business is about evilness, I need to expose it. It's people in my family. My sister, it's her birthday today. Let me tell y'all something. Wait a minute. 
because I'm helping somebody right now. It's her birthday today. But my sister has been molested by people in the church, at the True Church of Holiness. It's a member that molested my sister at the True Church of Holiness. And I told the preacher, I said, Pastor, my sister was molested by my best friend. What are you going to do about it? He said, we, we were invested. Mind your business. You talk too much. Now, my sister got to live with this humiliation. My grandmother said, girl, shut up. You talk too much because at the age of 13, you had a baby. So you okay with that? You got to understand, you know, it's a lot of people in the black families that don't care that you get molested because they've been molested, so they normalize the behavior. So if you're coming from that era of 1935, you 80-something, that era, you coming from an era of keeping stuff under the closet. You don't tell nobody what's going on in your house. Don't tell nobody what God. I'm telling folks, my family ain't nothing but devil, ain't nothing but evilness that goes on. I, I want to tell you something. I've got nieces and nephews coming up, and they fathers, my brothers and sisters. That I'm talking about my, my family. It's raising them to be nothing but menace to society. I have a brother, Darius. I love my brother. But he ain't no good father because why his father wasn't in his life. So he treats his kids like, like, they're, like they're shoes and, and clothes. He don't treat them kids like human beings because his mother, our mother, Sheila, dogged us out. So he's doing the same thing to his children that his mother, Sheila Crusoe, did to him. So, again, the reason why Marquise Wiley is on the line it's because I want to help somebody because you told me something about your mother. And so it goes on. Your mother got the power to raise you right or dog you out. She can either do right or wrong. But if she do wrong, it will have so much damage on you that it might take 40, 50 years so you can get out. Do you know right now as I'm 27 years old and at the age of 27, I got to deprogram all of the nastiness that my mom taught me, all of the nastiness and evilness that you just holding this talk. Right. I'm struggling with deprogramming all of that. And, I, and right I think now, that. Say, well, I think that. Say this. She's listening in and she said, Marquise, why would you share my business? Because you need help. It's Easter Sunday and you drinking. I can call my mom. You can bring my mom on the air, and she will cuss me out. And she's supposed to be in the. She's supposed to be saved. She's supposed to be a church woman. You ain't no church woman. And I'm still well, here. Yeah, let me tell you something. Same thing. But I'm gonna tell you something. Don't you said you're what? Twenty seven. I'm twenty seven years old. You're twenty seven. I'll be fifty five. So this show is also tapped on something called generational generational hurt. We uh -huh. need to break this vicious cycle, people. I'll be 55 in September, and I'm just telling my story because my mother, and seeing every guest, every single guest, I haven't had one guest yet. You see, when I tell my story, my mother didn't smoke. She didn't drink. We were, you know, my great-grandmother was the mother of the church and all of that. And so for me, I can't even say that I can I can't even say that alcohol or drugs played anything into it. All I know is that she's conniving, she's manipulative, and she's evil. And to this day, I'm gonna be fifty five people, fifty five years old. You wouldn't know it by looking at me, you wouldn't know it by anything. But the truth is that I'll be fifty five this year. Here's a man that's twenty seven speaking his truth. 
Here I am at 55, still learning how to tell my truth and not feel badly about it. But after last year, when I was attacked by another family member and the other side forsake me, all of a sudden they ain't want to know the truth or the rest of the story. I'm going to tell you all now as living proof. This young man is 27. I'm 55. That's a big generation. I could be his mama because my own child is 30-some-odd years old. So the bottom line is simple here is that, again, waiting for someone to save you. We sometimes, after we get to a certain age, we have that cognitive functioning. God gave us that thing called free will. Now, we can either sit in silence or we can learn how to find our voice and share it and speak it. Now, everything that you heard to say today from this gentleman, he's speaking his truth. And you all know that I'm speaking my truth. When you come on this show and his mama and everybody else is welcome to call in and give their version of the truth if they choose to do so. But everyone that comes on here, they have a right to speak their truth. Now, what you do with it, that's up to you. But the thing is that we have so many unhappy and dysfunctional people in this world because society has taught us to be silent. Society has done, just like he said, and I've spoken about this before. You want to close the curtains, close the blinds, put the windows down, keep all the secrets inside. And so many of us don't know that the outside world, they're either, they're either getting their own perceptions of what's going on, or they know what's going on. So we're not kidding anybody but ourselves. We're not kidding anybody but ourselves. But it comes a time in life when we need to find our voice. We need to stop allowing other people to dictate to us how we're supposed to live, other people to tell us to be silent, other people to tell us we don't want to hear what you got to say. You see, my mother is considered, as one family member said, she's an angel on earth. She's the salt of the earth, not knowing that she's been assaulting my wounds. And I keep her at arm's length. Do I check on her? Yes, I do. Because guess what? I'm charged to be a good person on this earth. Because the minute that I cut her off and don't give a damn whether she fall out dead in the house or sick or something, that makes me just as bad as she is. But everything I do with my mom, I do it through text messages so that there's a rolling record of who said what, when, where, why, and how. Because when you have people calling me, telling me, you won't even call your mother and check on her. Say what now? And I have to break, break it down and know that when a cable was cut because they were digging next door and all of this, how you think I know it if I'm not talking to her? Stop being foolish. And then when I break down the truth to them and prove it, they stop talking to me. Because you know what? Some people are so indoctrinated and so blinded and so brainwashed, there's no way that they will ever accept anything but the lies that they have been fed for generations. And guess what? I had to walk away from all of that. And here I am today. And I never know because this show isn't scripted. So I never know who's going to call in and what story they're going to tell. But what is my tagline? Real people, real stories, real hurt, real healing. This is this gentleman's story. And you all have been watching my journey for years. And I want to say this, ma'am, and I say this humbly. Keep with my mother, Sheila Crusoe. Call, I'm calling her name out so you can pray for her. She will, we will have a conversation. We can't talk more than one minute. Because I say, have you been drinking? Yeah, that ain't none of your business. I'm going, and then she gets the cursing. 
Because if you're drinking, if you're under the influence, we can't have a sober conversation. We can't. Right. Because you're drunk. I went to go visit my mom, Sheila Crusoe, on November 11th. 2007, uh, 2017, I turned out 27. So a couple of days before that, I flew into Chicago. I came there. I was at the red line in Chicago, Illinois, waiting on my mother, Sheila Crusoe. She didn't come to that train station to pick me up until about hour, two hours later because she was so drunk that she forgot that I was coming into town. So when she did come in, and when, I got, when she got out of the car, and I didn't haven't seen my mother in months. I haven't seen her in a long time. She looked like she was over the age of 80 because that's how much she aged because of the alcohol abuse. All nothing but alcohol on her breath. Beers in the car, beers in the house, all of this stuff. And I was there. I had to stay there. And I stayed with her for about two days. And I said something to her. I said, Mom, we can't talk because you're drunk. Here we go. I said, you're drunk. She was so drunk that she couldn't even argue with me. And I and sometimes when you go through stuff, I don't even cry no more. I've been crying for 18, 20 years. I'm 27. So I've been crying for 20 years regarding my mother. She was, I can't cry no more. The only crying that I can do, the only thing I can do is, is just tell the truth. I'm crying out for her because my mom, Sheila Crusoe, need help. Then she's raising other children. Drinking around them, smoking around them, arguing around them. She, she's with a guy named Vern Rogers. Now, this man's staying with her. They're not married. They're staying in public housing. He don't care nothing about her. But you got to be, you, you stuck with this woman. Now, you cheated. Now, come on, now, wait a minute. My mom, Sheila Crusoe, left her husband, Arnett Barksdale, for his best friend, Vern Rogers. So she is to this day still with this man named Vern Rogers, and Vern Rogers treats my mother like dirt. He don't want to work. He's not in school. Now, he's 45, 40-something. My mom was born in 1972. You do the math, so she's what, 40 what? She's in her 40. She's going to be hitting 50 in a couple of more years. And to this day, she still cannot get away from Vern Rogers. To this day, she still can't get away from that liquor bottle. And people in my family gonna say, Marquise, you crazy. How I'm crazy? I'm telling you that my mom got is an alcoholic. I'm telling you that she she's evil. I'm telling you that she's hurt that she's hurting all her children. None of my siblings from the old I'm the oldest, from me to the youngest, deal with my mother Sheila. Because every time she get drunk, she say the truth. And one thing that I've learned, they said these words, a drunk male never tell no tale. So when she say when she's drunk, I never wanted to have no kids. I just had, I'm just stuck. I don't know what I'm going to do. She's telling the truth. Because, I, and then I asked this question, ma'am. I said, now, wait a minute. I was born November 11, 1990. If my mom, God forbid, if she were to die today, and if I were to go to the funeral, I would say these words. I lost my mom on November 11, 1990, the day I was born. That's the day I lost my mother. Because she never, I truly don't know who is really, who the true woman is in Sheila Crusoe. Because long as she's been, long time I've known her, since 27 years, I know I'm up to, I'm 27, 27 years, she has always been a drunk. 
I re- I can't remember a time. I, oh, let me tell you, so I can't remember a time where she been sober. Now, granted, when we were younger, she would only get drunk during the weekend when she was young because she worked. She was a functioning alcoholic. Now that she's older, she drinks Monday through Friday. She drinks when she at work. She she have liquor on her breath while she's driving, because that because you know what that proves with. Now you ain't got kids no more. All of us is grown. All, her baby, her, my youngest brother that's in jail right now, in jail. His name Arnest Barksdale in jail. Pray for him, people. Pray, pray. He's in jail right now. He he he. Uh, on on March the thirteenth, he would be what eighteen years old. That's her youngest. So when he get it, all of her children will be grown. So right now, my mother, right now, she's alone. She's looking around. Nobody want to be around her. Ain't nobody going to want to be around you and you drinking, you cussing them out. And my mom, let me tell you something. My mom, Sheila Crusoe, hit my brother Darius Barksdale in the head with a beer bottle. Hit him in the head with a beer bottle. And she refused to take him to the doctor. My mom also burned clothes of Vern Rogers. Burned his clothes. Put his clothes on fire. She had told me, and me and my mom argued, because I used to get Social Security checks. And I said, listen here, woman, you taking all of this money, get by and bid, give me my money. And from that day on, we have never been close. And that was at 13. I told my mother, you know, Jesus told his mother at the age of 12, I must be about my father's business. I told my mother at the, at the age of 13, you must give me all of my money. It's my money. That's my Social Security check. It's in my name. And you know what she told me, ma'am? Put it in your grandmother's name. Get out of my house. She kicked me out. Because I told her you can no longer use my money for your alcoholism, for your problem. See, when I talk people, I'm giving you real facts. And then when people would say this, see, they won't pray for my mama. They won't help her out. They will come after me. I'm not an alcoholic. I'm not drunk. I don't have these problems. But my mom, Sheila Crusoe, she needs help. She drink every day I get on the phone with her. I used to. I don't, I rarely call her. Every day I would call her, listen, I would say, hey, hey, how you doing? I don't worry about Marquise. I can't stand you. I always say, ah, no, 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 no. You know, she would talk crazy. I said, ma. I said, ma. And when she's talking, giving stories, she's drunk and she's giving her story. I said, what happened to you? What happened to you as a little girl? Because my mom, people told me, well, your mom was molested. Your mom went through a lot of problems. But if that's the case, people tell me who molested my mother. Let me know. See, people, I, see, see, when they said that, ma'am, that your mom was touched as a little girl, it was rumored that my mom was raped, I can see why. Because obviously it's something that happened in your, your young adult life that make you drink. Something happened in your young adult life, in your childhood, that make you be so evil as an adult, like your mom. Your mom going through something, but that didn't just happen. As a little girl, I can guarantee you probably she dealt mental illness and evilness. Probably her mom was evil. Probably her dad was evil. It was some evilness in there. She learned that behavior from somebody. Right or wrong, ma'am? You know what? Where she's concerned... You know, she has her stories to make herself out like a victim, and then the other people, the other siblings, don't remember a thing that she said. But then me, know, my what, personal what experience. You, well, what I'm telling you is my my personal experience. Uh huh. My personal experience is that I have watched her make things up out the clear blue. 
I talked to a family member once, and she was telling me how wonderful and great my mother was, and she had told her this story. And I finished the story. You know why? Because she had taken an entire part of my life, made it her own, and shared it with the family like she did it. So I know we have gone out, and before I could get from the restaurant to home, here come my phone ringing. Your mother said that you were mean to her, and you were nasty there, and you said X, Y, Z, and I didn't say one thing. So, again, is it someone who's got a narcissistic, sociopathic tendency who's making things up for the sympathy, for the hype? But let me tell you a little bit about my story, and then we really do have to get ready to end this session. But (laughs) I'm a child of sin. You see, my daddy was married to another woman. They had their child, their first child in October of 1962. I didn't find that out until a few years ago that the oldest boy was born in 62. I thought that I was born before him. All right, my mother had me in September of 63. So she laid down with him shortly after him and his wife had their first child and got pregnant with me and dear old dad went back home. To this day, if you call her, she will still be talking about your father. You should talk to your father. I'm a grown-ass woman. If daddy didn't reach out to me in 55 years properly, I'm not going to be like my brother and run behind him. I'm not going to do it. So you see, I'm a child of of, of an adulterous affair. But see, mama, and then the wife was an alcoholic. My daddy's wife was an alcoholic. And she would call me and curse me out. And as a child, I remember my mother giving me that four-finger hand flicker. Just ignore her because you remind her of what she did to me when actually I remind my daddy's wife of what my mother and him did to her. Come but on. since she couldn't get my mama because my mama was using me as her human shield, I'm a child being called a bitch and a whore and everything else. But the kicker is, my own mother, when I got old enough to be dating and stuff, she really hated that because I had the attention of men that she didn't have. So she just came right out one day and called me a dirty whore. And then, don't get me wrong, let me tell you, when I'm speaking my truth, I told my daughter-in-law all about it. When my mother, she asked my mother, she said, well, yes, I said it. Um, What happened was my grandson, her child, he wasn't being taken care of. I said, the day she did that, he was home in his crib asleep. I knew that she was mad when I saw her get out the car. And one of my neighbors walked up and said, how's your daughter? Haven't seen her in a while. Please tell her that I asked for her. And another male neighbor said, hey, how's it going? Um, please tell your daughter that I said hello. She came in the house, and it's this Christian woman. Don't smoke, don't drink, no nothing. Goddamn men asking me about you. You ain't nothing but a goddamn dirty whore. She could curse like a sailor. And I was on the phone with my girlfriend. Her name is Sandy. She said, did your mother just call you a whore? I said, yep. And then the next day she bought me a gold bracelet. Every time she would do something to me, the next day I'd get a nice gift. And back then, you know, we black folk, we don't know nothing about no, no, no abuse and all of that. We have no idea of that. I wish that my mama was an alcoholic or a drug user or something. At least that would help ease my mind and let me know that there was a reason for it. And when, it doesn't matter what, she claimed that some other woman's name is on her birth certificate. I'm doing ancestry and lineage right now, DNA testing and all that. Well, who is she? Oh, God don't want me to know the truth. No, you just like the hype and the drama. Everybody has told you that they will go and get a DNA test for you. Tell me who this woman is. Let me see if I found any records for her. So I don't know who I belong to. But again, these are the stories that 
listeners, this has been a show today. We have to end it now, and I thank you for calling. But I tell you this, ladies, his mama, all of them, they can, his brother, his mama, y'all want to tell your truth, feel free to call in next week. I welcome that because I welcome everyone to come on here and tell their story because everyone has the right to be heard. And for me, if the family could believe her BS for 50-some-odd years, I have every right to speak my truth. And if they don't want to listen to it, guess what? I don't care because, as you said, somebody needed to hear your story today. They didn't need to hear mine. They needed to hear yours. And I want to say this, and I'm going to close out because you said something about a DNA test. My, I still don't know who is my father because my mother, Sheila Crusoe, have said, well, Calvin Wiley is your father. Then the DNA was taken. We don't know what, who, who, we don't know where that DNA test is. Then we took another one. Then they don't know where that DNA test is at. So something is going on. All I asked my mother, who my father is, who slept with you and birthed me, who is my father? What's his name? Oh, it's Calvin, but he did something to the DNA test. They switched the DNA test, and it was proven he wasn't. Not my mother telling me this. And I want to say something to my mother, because I know she's going to hear this. You need help. And I'm going to tell you this. I haven't been back to Chicago. It's been over a year, because they, they ran me out of Chicago. But I said these words. And it was just like something settled over me. The next time I will go to Chicago, it will be to bury somebody. And it might be to bury my mother. Then when I go and bury my mother and have to speak at her funeral, because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak, I'm going to eulogize her. Nobody else going to preach over my but me, because they ain't going to do nothing but lie. And I'm going to be the hard truth. And then I'm going to go. See, they don't even want to let me know when my mom into the hospital, because they know once I find out, won't be nobody in that hospital room because I don't want all these evil because I want her to get help. And so I say these words. The next time I go back to Chicago, it will be to probably bury my mother because my mother ain't going to live long. She's sick. You can't be drinking alcohol for years and think nothing bad. And she go in and out of the hospital. And you know what they do, ma'am? Don't tell Marquise. Don't call her. Don't let them know nothing. You know why they keep it a secret? Because they know if she goes into the hospital that I have the power over her because she don't, her husband's nowhere to be found. She's unmarried. They go to the nearest point of contact, which is, will be her oldest son. I will have the power that the hospital will have to, if she's incompetent, can't understand, they will, I will have the power over what will happen. And I will take the power. And I will say put her in a mental institution, give her a psych eval, and help her. Because she needs some help. See, the thing is this, people, this ain't about you gossiping, you backbite. This is real talk. The stuff I'm sharing with you is real. And if you want to prove me wrong, go Google it, go research, go to the church, and you can go to 5735 South Indiana, Chicago. If you can go to that true church of holiness, you can go speak to the pastor, you can go speak to my, go talk to him. And y'all ask them questions. Why haven't Sheila Crusoe been in this church for years? What happened? You ask these people these questions. See, again, man, I want you to do your research. I want you to go and call the church and call them and say, well, I had a young man by the name of Marquise Wiley on my show, and we want to know what's going on with him and his mother. What's the problem with Sheila Crusoe? And I guarantee you, 
They're going to hang up that phone and block your number because they don't want the truth to come out. The truth, long as I got breath in my body, I'm going to tell the story and I'm going to keep telling it. My mother, Sheila Crusoe, needs help. And she's going. To, she's on her way to die because everybody around her lying to her. I'm not going to lie to my mom. I'm telling her the truth. She's on her way to the grave because she keep on drinking. She's in and out of the hospital. She needs surgeries, things going on. She's on her way to the grave. And then the person that can help her, I can help her when she want to be helped. But she don't want me around because she needs to get Vern Rogers out of her house. Vern Rogers needs to go. What, what kind of man are okay. you? Okay. Hold on, wait, 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 wait. I know, I know this. Let me say this. Somebody said, Sam Marquis, you help with me. If you allowing a man to sleep with you and they didn't all, and you in public housing and they can't afford to put you in a real house, that's not a real man. I'm going to close out with that. (laughs) You got that part right. We can keep it going from that point on. I tell you, like I said, everybody, if if the church or if his mother or, or the man or anybody hears this program, they're welcome to call in and give their side of this story. But everyone has a right to speak their truth. And we welcome everyone because this is this gentleman speaking his truth. I speak my truth, and I don't care what the family thinks. They've already proven to me that they don't give a damn about me, period. So the bottom line is simple, is that we are going to continue to speak our truth because, you see, when you learn how to speak your truth, that allows you to be free. And it's the same principle. I talk to my mother every now and then. I make sure that she's still okay. If it's snowing outside or something like that, do you need anything while I can still get around? Do you need anything? Because her son lives out of state, and allegedly when he retires or whatever, he claims he's moving out the country. So her wonder child don't give a damn one way or the other. He's going to do what he want to do. He's going to move out the country, so that will leave me again. When she got sick before, she had to call me. When I got to that hospital, I'll never forget it was a heavy set Caucasian nurse with blonde curly hair. She said, well, we're looking at her records, and she's only showing us having one child. She bent across the counter and told me, are you sure you're her child? I told her to get up. I care how sick she was. Get up and come talk to this nurse because obviously she only had one child, and that was my brother. So the bottom line is simple. I've been the shadow child my entire life, people. And you all know this is my show, so I'm going to speak my truth. I don't give a damn who don't like it. And this show was about what waiting for someone. Stop waiting for someone else to be your voice, to tell you how to live, to judge you, to approve of, to respect, to love you, you have to go no further than that person that you see staring back at you in that mirror. That person is your greatest, your greatest motivation and inspiration. That person is the one that you have to live for. That's your greatest cheerleader, your greatest fan. Because there are people out here who will listen to a lie because it's easy to listen to a lie than it is to accept the truth. 55 years, my family's too old to change now. They're too old. Oh, they don't want to get involved. I don't want to get in the middle of it. Then what the hell are you passing along what she said to me, but you don't want to listen to what I have to say. You're already involved. So again, today was all about stop waiting for someone. Wake up. Enlighten yourself. Stop walking around with your eyes wide shut. Don't do it, people. 
stop it. And we're going to say a prayer for this entire family that they may, as I say what, and this is what we're going to end with, I'm going to pray all of them enough of whatever it is that they need to make it through today and beyond. So I pray each and every one of you enough sunshine to brighten those rainy days of yours. I also pray you enough rain to make your gardens grow beautifully. I pray you enough smiles to turn the frown you've been carrying around upside down. But most of all, I pray you enough strength and courage to face whatever may be coming your way and knocking at your door from this very moment and beyond. And gentlemen, you only 27 years old, and I hope that you don't have to spend the rest of your life like I have, dealing with the demons. Say, speak your truth, and at some point you're going to wake up and you're going to just say, you know what, it's time for me to move on so that you can be free. Yes. So that you can be free and you can move on. Don't wait until you're 55 years old. You've spoken your truth. You came on this program and you told your story. And guess what? We can't help people that don't want to be helped. We can't convince people that we're not the ones broken. We can't do that. All we can do is realize for ourselves that we may have been broken at one point, but then we pick up the best of those broken pieces and recreate ourselves as new masterpieces, and we keep it moving. Because guess what? There's a space for you at the mountaintop, and the eagles are ready for you to soar. So the bottom line is simple. Speak your truth, but don't let it monopolize the rest of your life. I speak mine because I have this show, and I have to let my listeners know throughout the world that I understand. I'm not doing this. I'm not one of these false prophets or cosmetic Christians or someone who doesn't know, who just wants to say, this was a good show, wasn't it? Now send your money. I don't do that. Are we no, a profit? Of course we are. And of course we no, need your donations. <laughs> but if you don't want to give, guess what? We're going to keep moving. And let me say this, and I want to say thank you. My name is Marquise Wiley. You can follow me at Twitter at Wiley Show. I am a blogger, radio host. I am a black man crying out for my family. And any listeners out there can pray for my mother, pray for her right now, pray for my sisters and brothers. And pray for me as I fight and try to make sure that we end it. End it because it's a generational, it's a generational curse. And I'm trying to break that curse in my generation. Because if I don't break it, it's going to continue to happen. And so on my right. show, Wiley Show, I'm going to continue this. And I'm going to come back on the show, or your show, ma'am. When do you do your show? When is the next show? Every Sunday at 8 a.m.? Um, we do several, but this is the main show right now during the winter months, and we're about to switch over, but we have three main shows. Healing Through Hurt iTalk Radio is the mother show of all of them. That will start airing on Saturday evenings at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, the, the Saturday Morning Motivation Show, that's just a few moments of inspiration and motivation that airs at 9 a.m. on Saturday mornings. And then the Focus Females Global Chat Cafe is Tuesdays. At 7 p.m. So we have quite a few would, shows that are coming back online. I would most definitely, but, uh, I will be tuning in because one thing about me, when God made me, he gave me a mouth. He said, go, man, cry, young man, for your family. I have to, because if I don't fight for him, who going to fight for him? Nobody. They're going to watch him die, and they're going to talk about him. Not me. So before they die, I'm going to make sure, I'm going to make sure that I was clean. See, I'm clearing myself. 
So if, if hypothetically speaking, if a frontal happened, I'm good. I don't have to go there and cry, mm-hmm. have guilt, because I tried to help you while you were breathing. So, again, I'm going to keep telling this story until something happens, until some change happens. Until then, I'm going to keep on preaching. I'm going to keep on teaching. And I'm going to keep on exposing evilness that's going on in the Crusoe family, evilness that's going on in the Cartwright family, evilness that's going on in the Barksdale family, and evilness that's going on in the Wiley family. I'm naming you all of these different names because it's different spirits. It's different generational curves. It's different evilness mm-hmm. that's going on each one of them. And I'm trying to break it in my generation. And because when God born, birthed me November 11, 1990, he birthed me for this reason. Because he probably seen in 2018 I'll be fighting for my family right now. And I'm going to keep on fighting as long as he give me the breath and the help to do so. I'm going to keep on my job. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you so much, everyone. Continue to pay it and pray it forward as we chimed it in. We're chiming out. Thank you so much for being here. We'll be back here next week. Um, we got about 58 seconds left. As we begin, we will end with Tori Lee's finally. I'm C. Maria Wall, a.k.a. the mediating Shiro right here at our ground zero, which doesn't mean that we're at rock bottom. We're on solid ground so that we can get our footings and prepare to move to the next level. And as I said, this gentleman told his story. This was his personal story. Any of his family members are welcome to call in. The church is welcome to call in. Until then, be well, be blessed. And just remember, real people, real stories, real hurt, real healing. Right here on Sunday mornings with C. Maria. I'll see you soon. Be well. <laughs>